welcome to Especially Do Not Feign Affection. I'm Anthony Lanahan and this is the first in a short series of casual conversations on matters of the spirit. I'd very much like to welcome three guests who will accompany me for this series. First off, Rita O'Brien, who's here with me in the studio. How's it going, Rita? Hi, Anthony. How are you? And Rita is living in Scarif as a midwife. Her work is in bereavement support. Her particular interest in spirituality has led to involvement on a community level via Godly Play, which is a church-based program for children, and also in Lectio Divina, which Lectio Divina, which is the prayerful way of reading scripture. And then we move across country to the two boys who are with us, two gentlemen sitting by phone in Dublin, Kilichi and Tom Connerty. And both of these gents are strongly over their working lives involved with the arts. Kilichi, first of all, born in Yonkers, New York, and domiciled in Ireland for many, many years. His work has been mainly in dance, movement, Tai Chi in particular, and music. And in regard to this this word spirituality, how tricky that can be. Well, I have a question to zone in on Kalichi in, in, a, in a few minutes. But before that, um, Tom Connerty, poet, cabin man, teacher. Hopefully that's OK, that particular order. Maybe, maybe you put them differently. But Tom, you're very welcome. And you have a book coming out in mid-November, a poetry book drawing on memory, which is, I think, quite relevant to the type of um, theme we'll have for, for today's um, first episode and drawing on memory uh, very much links to, I think, where I, I'll, I'll be zoning our, our conversation around spirituality. So here's wishing you well with, with that book, Tom, and welcome Thank to you, you both, Kilichi and Tom. Welcome on board. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Okay. So we'll dive in. The um, theme for today is basically what is holy anyway, or what does the word spirituality even mean? Well, for me, one aspect of it would definitely be aliveness. And here I go to you, Kalichi. The times we, we spend together, sometimes we meet up for coffee and fried mushrooms. And when we do or in such places, restaurants, there are sometimes children around and uh, families, uh, parents with their children. And these are young children. They're just maybe walking and are learning to walk. And I've seen how animated you get in looking at them, fascinated, I suppose, at the word. And that, for me, speaks um, certainly of spirituality. That's not too vague a way to to um to put it would you say anything about that or what's going on for you when you're when you're um when you're focused on those children what i see in children one thing that strikes me is when they learn to walk and the remarkable thing of the the joy in them when they begin to figure that out and the other thing is skipping uh, i'm fascinated by why people stop skipping and look, at skipping is a very exuberant uh, notion. One of the ways Tom and I have been working together for years is uh, a lot of work in the schools. 
And uh, there's something about the openness of kids. Um, it's it's something about the, the the relationship of children with their often it's with their mothers. I, I drink my coffee in Costa, which is connected to Tesco here in Dun, where I live in Dundalk. So I get to see the interaction of mothers and uh, and children. But I get to see them with Ukrainians. We have a lot of Ukrainians here now. We see with lots of Muslims, lots of black people. So it's so interesting that from different cultures, and it's the same thing, how the parents and children interact. It's just a universal Mm -hmm. connectedness. And I think, Tony, you were asking uh, about some early experiences. And just one experience strikes me when I was very, very young. I went to, in Yonkers, New York there, went to Our Lady of the Rosary School, and we went to Mass every day before school started at 9 o'clock. And that was really important for me. There was something about the mystery of the, of the church. It, somehow it took me in. Um, but also when I used to walk home at this time of year, I used to visit a tree where all the acorns were coming down. It was mm-hmm. behind someone's house. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my, my, my first sense of something in the world that was big and beautiful, mysterious mm. and wonderful, was just the tree and the acorns and then picking them up uh, in a place we weren't supposed to be because it was someone else's yard there. Mm. So I think it, and of, of course, Christ says, you know, it's always with the children, the, mm. trusting the children. Remember where the apostles say, Jesus is busy, uh, stay away. And he says, no, bring them over. Uh, so I think there's some great lesson about the the openness of kids, and that begs the question: How do we become so screwed up uh, through time? How do we lose uh, something so beautiful? So th- th- that's enough for me for the moment, Tony. Ah, thank you very much. So, Rita, if I'm to ask in relation to just what Kalichi said there with his acorns and trees, have you any memories that you'd draw on from way back that? When you were a child, you, you'd say, well, that that would link to spirituality or that some connection there outside of, or bigger than myself, maybe. Rather than- yeah, I, I, I think um, nighttime prayers would have been a, a, a strong memory. Um, my father teaching us our nighttime prayers and um, he used to sometimes show, talk to us about the stars and show us the different um constellations and how they meet and, and describe where the, the three sisters are and the plough and that, you know. And I remember being very small and looking up at the stars and feeling something much, much greater, the, the wonder of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I suppose my strongest memory related to what you could say is uh, spirituality would be when my mother used to, my mother worked as a nurse and a midwife and she used to go to Lourdes to help out with the sick and she used to go every year for years and I'll never forget each time looking forward so much to the story and the story was always the same. (laughs) She'd sit and she'd tell us the story of Bernadette and how, you know, when they go to to visit Bernadette and, you know, her body used to, and I remember being fascinated by that story. Um, yeah, those there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tom, how about you? Can I bring you back to your cabin kitchen? Um, maybe crawling around the floor or maybe standing up on the floor and looking out window or what smells or sights or such were around that triggered your imagination or can you remember? I have very happy memories of childhood. Uh, where I lived, um, 
It's beside an agricultural college where my father worked on the land. All right. And across from it was cooperative stores and a mill. And there was builders. There were about 300 workers in the area in a small village. But it would be the absolute epitome of perfection now because it was all sustainable. But we didn't know it then. Uh, what was very exciting was when tin beans came to the cooperative stores and it was just, um, it was, it, nothing I suppose remains the same. It uh, is always changing. And that is it's certainly uh, a memory of mine in relation to sacred places. I used to spend quite a bit of time under the bridge, standing in the water. Uh, I don't pretend to be a Baptist at the age of, you know what I mean, <laughs> at the age of four or, four or five, but I loved watching the water flow and it fell over a little um, stream and it went to the end uh, in the distance. It was called the tail of the race because the race ran was, was part of the mill, uh -huh. but I always, I always viewed it as, you know, the tail, the story of the human race, you know, and I'd written that in, in some poems in, mm. in the past. But um, I, I do remember that the river was very was a very very sacred uh, sacred uh, place, and it was called the 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 Annalee. But I, I do remember our kitchen, and I do remember you know uh, spitting on a, on a Stanley range and watching it you know go dry to a little dot. I also remember rosaries, uh, and I remember my mother uh, washing us in a tub on a Saturday night, the once a week wash. And like the area of the towel around us, uh, when you know she dried us and and got us kind of ready for for, for bed, but um, there were strong memories in that you had a people who had devotion to uh, devotion to things. They worked hard. They were devoted to work, and they worked on the land. And nothing came easy. You know, I'd prefer if my mother and father had an easier life. But so therefore, nothing was instantaneous. So in nature and in the, the nature of, of their work as well to allow them to become, um, I don't know, reflective and inward uh, people without too much, you know, sort of showiness. Mm. Um, but one of the strong memories I, I have is it's, it's like, what, what was going on? Was it was it Islamic or was it um, <laughs> was it Christianity? Because as kids, we learn to twirl, and I think most kids, you know, oh, would go, yeah. you know, spin, spinning around. And I remember, you know, the, the Wellington boots slapping against our shins, and us, you know, whirling round and round until we got busy. And my mother was up on a top window once, and she she said, you know, the blood's going to your heads. Will you stop? Right? Yeah. And think of it it was like it was like she was in the minaret tower you know sort of talking down to us and we were whirling dervishes mm -hmm. and we didn't know it but what I, what I loved about it was that it was when you spin everything becomes one the trees the door the you know the the, the house everything and and for me and poetry that's what i call the universe when you when, when kids and as Kalichi was saying and rita those um early memories of children it's the freedom that they have to move un unmediated. Mm. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tom. That reminds me your, your, your image there of the of the swirling of the um, of the dervish movement. Um, I was brought up in a village called Quinn, and 
um, I suppose just linking there strongly for me where you mentioned the, the towel and the, the getting washed and the Saturday night was it the, that whole area of the of the towel that um, I think if you if we were fortunate enough to be brought up in a house where there was love like my grandfather was always in the house and I loved my grandfather and uh, he was always very close when I was up on a I can see the particular sofa well it was one of those um, sofa um, bed things that could be made into a, it was a big sturdy thing brown and um, standing up on that and having a plastic plastic plate um, and using that as, as, a, as, a, as a racing uh, car and a driving wheel and looking out the window and, and waiting there was a an old fellow over the road called um, John Lachlan and he used to bring his horse and cart with milk to the creamery every morning and there was very little traffic besides him. So listening to him, or wait, anticipating him, wait, um, his arrival along the, on the road, we were back a little bit from the road. All of those um, images and sounds, I mean, as all three of you, and thinking for myself as well, mentioned those things, they seem so ordinary sometimes. And maybe this is where, you know, a lot of the holiness, I think, that we've been given, uh, often the, the sense is that it has to be extraordinary. So um, I think just the ordinary ordinary things and ordinary situations, um, that's where, you know, that's where I think the holy, for me anyway, and, and, and they're vulnerable situations, often those particular ones as well. I think, you know, speaking of children, you know, how... how um, how more vulnerable can you get? And that 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 sense of, I suppose, something that's flawed or or, or flawed humanity. That that's that's important to embrace that. And um, my sense often would be that, with a lot of, for me anyway, unhealthy religion, it 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 would move us away from that. I don't know if anyone wants to get in on that, but um, Rita, do you have anything to say on that? Or? Um, no, just only just like, you know, when you say holy mm. and um, and the idea of like what, you know, what is holy and just uh. there when you when you said the word, then it kind of I, I've been I was thinking about it and reflecting on it and thinking, what do I really what does that word mean for me? And it's just listening to you there now. I've thought, yes, definitely. Now I I'm very clear. It's for me, if if you say, what do you mean if somebody is holy and I'm thinking of people that I think are holy. It's that it's that feeling that you get when you're in somebody's presence that they are truly, when you said ordinary, but they're truly present in that moment in a very genuine, um, very genuine sense of, of truth and presence, but, but, but with the addition of love. It might sound a bit dramatic if it's a stranger, but yeah, love and feeling that sense of somebody being truly present and seeing you. And when I when I think about and, and really ch somebody's tuning into you it, and it can freak you out sometimes in a way. But um, yeah, so sorry, did I answer your question? No, I don't know if did. I did. It's just that for me, I suppose the word love would be another tricky one. I, yeah, yeah, I know. on earth it's so <laughs> mushy now that it's... If, yeah, um, a feeling of being accepted in yeah. that moment, I okay. guess. Okay, okay. And being seen and just feeling safe with that person okay. um, and that's just I suppose the holy person you know if, if you if I think I'm feeling the holiness from a person that's the feelings that I'm getting to call that person holy yeah okay 
Chichoni, if I, if I can come in to, to both Link and, and maybe come at it from another angle. Sure. Um, I was thinking of the, from everything that you started with and all four of us making our comments about childhood, about the what William Blake, the great poet, uh, talked about cleansing the doors of perception. And as if, like, there's something like what allows us to think, perceive, and act from a, from a, a deeper place. And I was thinking about the beginning in the Bible there with uh, Genesis, and that it begins with beauty. Uh, you know, Dostoevsky, the famous line, beauty will save the world. Um, and it's it, each each making of the world brought forth beauty. And I think um, that there's a connection between the cleansing the doors of perception is that ability to to perceive every single thing as beautiful. But I also think, again, you bring up the word spirituality and love. There's such loose words these mm. days. I I, yeah. I don't relate to the word spirituality personally. I just put that aside. Okay. But, and even the idea of love, that the two hands of God are, it's mercy, but it's also rigor. So I think uh, there was a priest up in Dundalk, Mount Oliver Institute here years ago, wrote a book called Disturbing the Peace. Mm-hmm. And I said that, you know, Christ was uh, given out to the Pharisees and the, the lawyers. Uh, it wasn't all just peace, love, and uh, and that sort of thing. There was a rigor in challenging authority. And, of course, that rigor goes back to the prophets. The prophets rigorously challenged society. So it was not, it, love includes making us feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. about our complacency. Uh, so I, I, to me, that's really important. Um, something about cleansing the doors, how do we perceive a little more accurately, mm. how do we open up the connection between mercy and uh, and rigor, um, and um, just the beauty of the world, which maybe that's the key towards dealing with the environmental crisis, is something about really appreciating the beauty of the world and acting to, to save our loved ones. Um, mm. Anyway, for whatever that's worth. No, I think I'd, I'd pick you. up on that as well, in relation to what Rita was saying around presence. Mm. You know, you're in the presence of someone or something or some animal or some flower, whatever it may be, but that the secret is the attention that we give it or the attention that we're allowed to give it. And Mm. sometimes we have to challenge in relation to, you know, our attention is taken away from something and challenging those who are doing that. Mm. And like everywhere, our attention has been taken away. And, uh, you worked with children also too in relation to how do you walk and how do you move and how do you stand and W.B. Yeats in the great line said the centre cannot hold mm. if you consider that not everybody but a lot of, of, of um, people young men I always feel that they're out in so many exponential ways with you know social media phones and all that and I don't want to be a crank and say no, no, no the young generation I don't, I love them, I teach them, I love them uh, but it is the sense that there is a distraction. And mm. that presence that Rita was talking about is so important. When somebody is ill or somebody's dying, it's not, you're, you're brought into it. You can only be present. Or you may walk away. But in the presence there at that time is the absolute exemplification of love. Because in that moment, you're acknowledging what has come before, where you are now. And that journey is end, is ending in the physical state or it's going somewhere else. 
So that's a, a beautiful sense for me around the whole thing of love. And in relation to holy, the word whole is so important. So what is the whole story, right? Mm. And we're not, we're not supposed to know. We, don't, we can't know the whole story. Mm. I remember in primary school, the teacher, I didn't like primary school very much, but a story was told and then around the class, tell me the story, tell me the story. Mm. And, and I couldn't remember, I was fleeting off on a feather or something. But what's interesting in the mythology, the story of the town was asked of a group of poets and they were remembering bits and bits here and bits there, but they couldn't remember the whole story. So they went to the grave of Fergus. One of the young poets went to the grave of Fergus and he told Fergus the story and Fergus gave them the missing bits. So I think that's a beautiful story. He came back then and when the story was being told, he was encanting Fergus, who was able to give them the missing bits. Mm. Now, if that's God giving us the missing bits, or if it's in unison, where we're speaking to each other now about a topic, if I don't know or don't say it, you know, Rita Clichy yourself, whoever it is, comes in. So that's the whole sense where love is. It's in community, and story is rooted in community. And we cannot be isolated from it, nor can we you know, be so certain that, oh, you know something, I know the whole story. Oh. I don't. I never, I never will. Now you're hitting into something for me there, certainly, Tom. The whole thing of certainty and certainties and, you know, the whole story, that's, that's, um, that, that resonates with me big time because, um, you know, I think nowadays especially, um, we tend to zone in on people and, and their faults. Uh, we can blame for this, that and the other. Are they, you know, they, they, I suppose the word respect would be a big thing for me, or at least I try to have it. That, um, you know, what does it mean to, Kalichi mentioned that he moves away from the words like spirituality and love. And I, 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 can, I can link with that as well because they're, they're so wishy-washy words sometimes, or they have become that. Um, but I think to, to really love something as it is, not from what it can do for me or what I can get out of it or what money I can make from somebody or all of these, I suppose, ego-driven things that kind of would be nearly in my consciousness, first of all, when I when I see people, are, can I make them like me? Are they, are they going to be a threat to me? All of those kind of things, I, I, I think, get in the way of... of um, of um, of just the, seeing the person in, uh, as a whole, or seeing a situation in in wholeness, and uh, if the, whatever maybe you know word I put on God, I, I would I would very much see it like um, an entity that that holds the whole, that 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 doesn't um, split off parts of us that we'd want to split off ourselves, that kind of thing. So um, I think you know. Um, you know, to get away from our egocentricity in all of this is 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 a helpful thing. Just to just to again, I go back to Rita and and being present and um, to have have the respect for myself and the other in in and the space between us. I suppose that whole thing of of um, not be too quick to to judge. I can see it myself all the time how quick I am to judge and and uh, um, I suppose just. Mm, go for the, um, uh, the, the 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 quick judgment on someone, I suppose. Internally, I mightn't do it outwardly, but it's a it's a tricky one, I think. Anyway. So how can we how can we 
make ourselves more able to respect and um, be present. And I was reading something that Richard Rohr, Rohr, Rohr wrote about that idea of gazing at the little tiny flower mm. and that practice of, um, of of thanking that little tiny flower. But mm. then, like, what would you have me know to that little flower? Mm. I mean, this that to me is allowing yourself that ability to look, accept that I do not know that and, you know, mm. allow yourself to be vulnerable. Respect comes into that and being present yeah. to nature. And that is holiness for me. No, being thanks, able to Ruth, do yeah. that. Getting away from the certainties of things. Yeah. 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 The, the un, I suppose there, there's the there's the two sides of things, I suppose, that, you know, to know um, maybe reading in scripture, you'll learn mm. and have knowledge coming that way, but also to to put that with the with the unknown. There's so much that we can't know, yeah. I suppose. And like I'm thinking, as you mentioned there, the flower, Patrick Cavanagh's poem, Primrose, you know, that same idea, you know, that you're giving respect to one yeah. small, insignificant thing. And in that way, you're giving, giving respect to everything yeah. and every person. And But, but it mm. has to start as, as a doable thing that you know we can do this and it's it's from within yeah 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 and it's it's the thing like uh, how can you offer adoration to a stone lying sideways in a ditch mm, like, that's yeah. what Kavanaugh um that's what what Kavanaugh spoke about excellent but yeah. one of the things that I, I I feel in relation to I can't remember who it was a fellow called Pierre Bourdieu he was an, art, an artist or an art historian he said you know it, all things are about the tours and the detours we take in life to find the place where our heart first broke open. And I can mm. remember, you know, seeing, you know, a flower. I can remember seeing a tree. I also remember from, from knowing those trees when my mother died, looking out the back window and seeing, seeing, hearing the wind in the trees. And I remember that particular time saying it to Kilichi, and he said, oh yeah, Aries, the messenger. And I thought, this man knows what I'm talking about. But it's like that, do you know what I mean? We are so ancient and ancientness has given us incredible depths, incredible roots. And we seem to be surface picking. And some of us mm. in relation to the conversations, conversations cannot go too deep. You can bring people with you, but that depth is in the ordinariness of everything through a chink too wide comes in no wonder. Mm. If we're so expansive and you know I'm talking about everything, there isn't much wonder in that. Yeah. But the other important thing is one of the reasons why, you know, all art is the detours you take in life to find the place. And poetry is that. And what we were talking about is for me, that's the language. And getting a language that begins to move in there and not being kind of loose with it and that there are general terms for for everything and um you know and that's one of the reasons why you know i and others and you know being with art and the dance form poetry whatever it may be it's a way of going in there and staying in there or trying to keep in there mm -hmm. i still think what's missing in this conversation from my perspective um it's something again about the the uh, something more astringent. Um, what what I think I mean by that is, 
we can talk about the beauty of stones and rocks and poetry and images and all that sort of things and, you know, being present to things. And obviously that's very important. But I think it also, dare we use the word truth, um, especially if you're coming from, a, a say, a Christian tradition, there is something very specific about this word truth. Uh, and I, I won't go into it now when we get to the section on God. I think it's very interesting to trace how the God of Israel you know, moves away from multiplicity of gods representing rivers and war and love, sex, and it moves towards a singular sense that eventually connects into the, the Greeks with Plato and Aristotle. And that's how the Christian tradition arises. It was a search for a, a singular thing above everything. Uh, and I think that's a deeper question. That word truth is such a... Remember when Pilate says to Christ, what is truth? He didn't answer. He, mm -hmm. he kept quiet. Correct. Not that he, I don't think he didn't know the truth, but he re probably realized this Pilate's not going to get it. And sometimes... It's not the right time to talk. Mm -hmm. But um, and, and anyway, there's just something about there's so much around these days of mindfulness and this and pay attention. And sometimes mm -hmm. I, f I find it all a bit weak, to be okay. quite honest. OK. So you see it, Rita? I wonder. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting that it, it kind of leads into our next one when we're going to be talking about God, about, you know, dogmas and creeds and you know, do we need them? Yes, we need a framework, but do we really need them? And going back to the idea of, yes, but how can we know that we are right? And then how that's not very holy <laughs> if we think we're right. And yeah, so I've a little bit to say, but I think it kind of leads into the one of God. What is God? What do we know? Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I, I just I just think that picking up on that in relation to you know, sort of the, the nature or the poems or, or whatever it is. I do think that it's, it is, has to be about a creator and who that creator is. Is it one? Is it a multiplicity of gods? I worked in an educate together school where there were 20 different religions. Uh -huh. There was an intersection of beauty and faith and belief in mystery, but there were many gods. Mm -hmm. And it is, for me, it is, creativity and that sense of being in there that something has been created a power that is above and beyond ourselves like for example when i was writing a poem about swallows how do they make the journey five six thousand miles like what is in their head they're yeah. only the the weight of a, of, of, of a pack of crisps and they don't go to the gym they don't bulk up <laughs> you know, they're not doing distance training That's but right. yet they come back not even to the same area, not even to the same tree, but evidence has it, science has it, they can come back to the same twig. That's right. So what is it about that beauty of the earth? And it's the same in, in, in Job, when Job asked to speak to God, and, and God appeared in, a, in fire and said, hey, you can't talk to me. You know, what's, you know, does the, you know, the, the daffodil, the blade of grass, they all want to talk to me. Uh -huh. It's just, I, I think, the whole idea for me is the more longer I live is that I am part of a unified system that's not just the human one. And sorry, the other night, two nights ago, the dog died here and he was in the car bringing him into the vet. And before he went in, I put my nose to his nose and I said, will you tell me mother and father I was asking for them? There you are. Yeah. Both are dead. And, and, and I didn't rehearse that. Yeah. But I thought, I don't know what's going on, but the dog knows as much as I do sometimes, uh, and more. There you go. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I totally relate to that idea of creativity and wonder. And of course, that will lead into, I suppose, the section on prayer, but the godly play that I'm involved with. Um, yeah. I see that creativity and wonder. Yeah, I get yeah. that. The energy in that is, yeah, truly yeah. godly. Yeah. Okay, folks, that, I suppose, brings us towards the end of this first episode. So thanking you all very much for Thank your you, contributions. Thank you, Anthony. And Thank you, everybody. Thank you, we'll see you in episode two. You have been listening to Especially Do Not Feign Affection on Scarif Bay Community Radio.